recording. Welcome back to the Social World Podcast. Uh, I'm Dave Niven, and uh, after a little break there over the summer, I'm delighted to be back and roaring ahead with various podcasts. But today I've got a very special one. I'm going to be talking to Anne McLaughlin, who's an author in this particular instance, and she's just written a very, very interesting book based on an awful lot of life experience. So look, for, let's just get straight into it for the moment. And welcome to the program. Thank you, David. Okay, good. I thought, you, I thought you'd gone for a cup of tea there or something. I think I'd love to just go a little bit more into uh, your background and your, you know, your own biography, your own experience a little bit before we actually get to the main substance of of this podcast, which of course is the book you've just written. So what, uh, tell us a little bit about your background, because you seem to be not only incredibly well-traveled and have had fantastic number of good experiences and come up with a terrific ideas and a whole variety of things internationally, but, you know, at the same time, you found time to write a book now. So what is your background, Anne? David, I I was a social worker uh, for 20 years in the United States. In the United States, being a social worker often means you're a psychotherapist. Mm-hmm. So I was a psychotherapist working in community mental health in private practice. I realized 20 years into it that I wanted to take that skill internationally. The skill I was most... Um, sort of um, intrigued by was my ability to untangle what people thought were intractable problems. So, you know, somebody would bring in their teenage kid and say, fix him. And I would say, "Uh, I'll have that done soon. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So it was the ability to see how puzzle pieces fit. I find this is the thread that runs through all of my work, this untangling. I'm very practical. I'm not theoretical. I'm not what we call a a aha therapist. I really learned in the School of Social Work how you look at things, how you get people back on track. I'm not someone who looks past, but future. Um, And I also don't dwell on a problem. I, I get the whole lay of the land of what's going on in someone's life, but then spend 95% of the time on solutions. And this is my shtick in all the books I write. So at 20 years into my career, I said, I want to make a shift. At that time in the United States, there were not many schools. I knew I wanted to get experience with it. Um, some friends, uh, who had been in the Peace Corps said, actually, don't do that. Um, they recommended that I work with American Friends Service Committee, the Quakers. So I contacted them, and they they loved my experience in trauma work and offered me a job in Cambodia working with genocide or in Guatemala with families who'd seen children who'd seen their parents macheted in their civil war, Mm. very grisly 
kind of scenes. Um, so they said we would love to have you, but we find what enriches our programming the most is if you tell us what you would do. And I said, I am such a social worker. I have to do a total needs assessment before I jump in. What I had learned as a therapist, the only time I made really, really big errors is when I missed something in the beginning and headed off on the wrong track entirely. So I wasn't going to make a whole career shift on the wrong track. Well, one thing so, I'll say, I'm just interrupting yeah. you a second, is that I totally get the part, and I believe it myself, that social work is all about conflict resolution. Uh, but some of the, the, the situations that you described sound incredibly challenging. I would I would say so. I but you know, David, then I did the needs assessment and my I I spent years and years and years learning everything about everywhere, history, culture, their challenges. And at the end of years and years of looking at it, I realized that we have so many challenges. I personally cannot take it on, you know, all of it. That really what I wanted to do was make a connecting rod between humanity's challenges and human talent and people that could help solve those. Okay. So NGO Abroad was born that way. Right. I was just um, going to say that's perfect segue into that because world change maker is what could we move into that now because i'm really well, let me just say a smidge no. more about um yeah about that um yeah so i did a lot of career counseling and have gone all over the world to find out what those needs are to build those programs and it is those insights from that experience that did create world change maker so yeah now i'm ready for world <laughs> okay let's do that i mean look this book right world change maker builds skills in international development and social work okay now to my mind the actual the, the sheer landscape of kind of um experiences that you try and pull together was it that incredibly difficult to pull to put that together, to pull them all together because I mean you're talking about things worldwide in some cases, you know. Um, I mean, do you say a little about the book, would you? How, what, what, how you would describe um, your approach to the book and what people should look out for? Well, it is um, the book arose out of conversations I've had on the ground in Asia, Africa, Latin America, Middle East, North Africa, and it grew out of the conversations I had with people going to go work in those countries and where their gaps were. So the book is divided really into three. The way I saw it in all the career counseling I was doing, there were three things that usually made it so people did not get a job. One, they did not understand the realities on the ground. Mm -hmm. Two, they didn't have the skills and three, they didn't have the attitude. Okay. And uh, so the book is divided into those sections, and it's very pragmatic skills. Now, one thing I will say, after the book 
was published, uh, I realized these are exactly the same skills that you use in your own community at home. So looking back on it, I might have even had a different title so that people in the UK or in the US or in Botswana, working in Botswana would realize this isn't just so that you can jump from here to there. It's also working here. These are how I, I'm giving a framework of what people are missing most of the time. I really sort of was inspired to write the book when a young social work graduate came to me we did a career consult. I thought we we're on the same page. She asked to get experience. I said, this organization in Rwanda is going to be so much like a big international organization. It's going to give you great experience. But now after that, I want you to go to Sierra Leone to help them right after the Ebola crisis with all the kids who've been orphaned. They're doing a great job with foster care but I want you to do the needs assessment and program development. They're doing a phenomenal job, but step into that situation and see what else they need. Are these and, just, hang on a second, Anne, are these inspirational ideas on your part as much as, or these are commissions perhaps from these places themselves to you? Tell me, tell me the question again. I just wondered if these were just inspirational ideas you had after assessing the situation or effectively are, were they people coming to you and asking for support in that particular area? So the director in Sierra Leone and I worked together on going and the uh, social worker that I sent, she had come to me for my services. Does that answer it? Yeah, I think, yeah, I think so. I'm just looking to, I mean, I'm fascinated by it. I'm just looking for the sort of the source of the project yeah so it's i have ongoing partnerships all over the world and then i have the people coming that want to get that experience or want the guidance how to do it but what was interesting david is i got these panicked emails from sierra leone i thought everybody in social work knew what a needs assessment is mm. and um it yeah. was then clear she did not and um, I really realized that a needs assessment is really one of the most valuable things I took away from the School of Social Work. Understanding it's the tools that, of the trade, isn't it? Yes, it's it's understanding that you know a lot of people going into international development think that you come in with your agenda and kind of superimpose it on their situation. And that's what the chapter on participatory development is about. A lot of people think they are kind of the star of the show, when in fact, really, you are working side by side as equals. You're not just building programs, you're building people. No, I get and, that. And uh, this is where social work all over the world shines. I have one whole chapter, why social work is so highly regarded all over the world. That's an interesting, I mean, that, that's, let, let me, let me ask you one thing, kind of before we get to that part, sure. because I, I know that you have a huge, if you like a thread, right, running right through the book that um, you think essentially 
percolates everywhere, and that's the issue about poverty. Um, and you, you know, you talk and you talk about how do we need to put more? Do we need to put more emphasis on poverty in all sorts of things because it has its footprint everywhere? Is that a fair assessment of what you you talk about in the book? I yes, I I think um, coming from countries where we have more we have more possessions, they might have a richer life. To be honest, they have more oftentimes more familial connection. They don't necessarily feel impoverished, but they. Uh, so let me tell you a few of the stories that shaped. It is because I was listening and I was doing the needs assessments absolutely everywhere. And mm. I was making all the errors I'm trying to keep other people from making. <laughs> so, for example, I thought that it's horrific that 75% of the women in the Eastern Congo have been raped. Rape in our country is horrific. And that's all comparative. But it was, I had uh, an Australian social worker had come in to help with counseling. The Congolese refugee director was on board. Yes, we would love it. We know how pervasive this is. But those Congolese refugee women, after a certain while, told the Australian social worker, please send no more counselors. Please send someone to help us with income generation. Because if I can bring money into the family, my husband will not reject me for being defiled. Mm. It was such a different point of view. I think it, the biggest uh, sort of wake up for me was when I was in the remote villages of Cameroon doing a needs assessment for what needs they had. So what kind of volunteers would be helpful to them? And we were at the noonday break, and I uh, was talking to this very bright, interesting young man, Luke. I almost dedicated the book to him. Um, he said, my wife is so, so sick. I, I don't know what to do. I said, Luke, what is she sick with? He said, malaria. And at that moment... She came out of, we were in the living room for our, the whole village's meeting and on the break. And she came out of a side room and literally could not shuffle her feet. I said, Luke, surely there is something you can do. Surely. He said, yeah, Anne, if I had five bucks, I could put my wife and I on a motorcycle taxi with the taxi man and we could get to a clinic and if I had five more bucks, I could pay for their help at that clinic. But, Anne, I don't have ten bucks. I said, Luke, surely there is someone in this room that has ten bucks. At that moment, everybody in the room raised their head and looked at me. And I said, I see. I am the only one in this room with 10 bucks i had never never deeply truly understand stood what it is to be a subsistence farmer mm -hmm. you get up at five in the morning you have some food you cut you clear the land with a machete 
you have food until it lasts, and then it's the lean months, and you're hungry. You forage in the forest, and you eat bush meat. You don't have five bucks. You don't have five bucks for the mosquito net to prevent the malaria. This is the kind of just a duh. Well, and I think kind- yeah. What, what I was going to say, Anne, was that I I I wanted to add a little bit to what you were saying, if I may, just to sort of say that that really emphasizes to me. You talked about needs assessment and social work and stuff, but sometimes it has to be incredibly nuanced. It has to yeah. be, um, you know, reg- the the layers of it are often, you know, not realized by people how complex it can be. And you haven't even taken account of talking to all other agencies or groups or community people or whatever, you know, in terms of coming to some kind of plan, some kind of decision. It's it's an incredibly kind of intense, if it's done properly, it's intense. Right. So that's, uh, I think, though, what most people don't realize is uh, what other people experience. What two, two thirds of the world lives on less than $10 a day. No, it's and now we're doing much, mm-hmm. much better. And I say that in the book. Oh. Um, but it is, if you talk to many people, my second book, which has yet to come out and hasn't found a publisher, hmm. has extensive uh, needs assessment done by a team uh, where they talk to people in 30 countries and are doing all the quantitative analysis and yada da. It's, it's, it's fascinating what they saw. It's the same development priorities. What Amaryat Sen, the development economist, says, it isn't just an economic thing. It isn't how much dollars and cents you make. It's how that impacts your life, what he calls an unfreedom. Luke mm-hmm. did not have the ability to get to the clinic. That's an unfreedom. Um, people don't have the money for school fees. I have a whole chapter on the policies that create that poverty that make so many countries have school fees. So um, mm. all those nuances you're talking about, David, I've tried to tie them together in a way that is simple. And it has some of those stories that explain it. Without the stories, I realized people don't get the same picture that it took me a long time to get. Well, let me say to people listening that um, everything that you've talked about and more about what you're working on will be on the front page, as it were, of this podcast with links, etc., and your publisher. You know, that'll be that, that can get and how to link into the book where people can get the book. And I'll even put a picture of the book up in the front of it as well. So there's going to be um, plenty of opportunity if people still have more to look into with what you're doing or get a hold of your book or whatever. So, I mean, uh, make sure everything's on the front page of the podcast. Anyway, carrying on for a little bit, we've got about five or ten minutes left, Anne. So take us into the book a little bit further, Um, this book, as opposed to if you've got another one coming out, we can always talk about that another time. Well, I I will say there's another uh, there's an there's two more coming. And then I'll come back to this one because the theme, David, that runs through all of them is empowerment. 
Mm-hmm. The, the third book is called Empower the People Rising. It's a, what is democracy building. You could do all the development. All the NGOs are working very hard to see that people are fed. They've got clean water. Kids are going to school. There's now healthcare. All these development goals. And if you have somebody at the top in that country who's skimming the money off the top, if you have Mobutu mm. in the Congo who had three palaces in the Riviera while the people were hungry, it doesn't work. It was a man in Kenya, one of the directors I work with, who sat me down to tell me all this. So I'm putting, I am now building more democracy building programs. Um, but it, those are all intertwined. Okay, um, but it's you, good to know what's on the horizon. You and I talked about, um, you know, how disasters relate to social work. Well, and my answer to you had been, we first have to build the cake before we put the icing on it. I later mm-hmm. said, if you talk to the people in Bangladesh, if you do that needs assessment, if you listen carefully to what the directors are thinking, what Mohammed Yunus is saying, and what all the organizations have shifted to doing, it is helping people out of poverty. Because the people that are slammed in Bangladesh that are... I mean, they get tremendous typhoons, same name as hurricanes. They get tremendous flooding, but it is the poor that live on the, I call them, the here today, gone tomorrow islands in the Ganges. No, I, no? I, I totally get what you're saying. And, and so- they're, they're, they are the ones that are absolutely devastated. But social workers as first responders has been around now for about 15 or 20 years and, and have proved themselves as um, very, very effective. And I think that's great because it shows our transferable skills, you know, within social work. But what you're saying is so true. But did you manage to dig deeply at all in the book into, um, for example, what social worker means in different places? Because, of course, in, in say, the Pacific Rim or Asia or wherever, uh, I mean, uh, or, or Africa, it totally means a different thing to Scandinavia or Canada or whatever, you know, it's- and... That therefore the, the 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 response of social workers, the behavior of social workers, how they have to behave. Um, David, I find that um, that there is more of a common thread than a difference. Mm-hmm. I find uh, that there is uh, some variation, but that many many of the directors that I work with, when I ask their background, social work. <laughs> so uh i i find that um there's a tremendous thread and i will say about uh the conversations we've had earlier i don't insist that people look at the world the way i do i think that there that people are born um and then have experiences that shape what their dream is what their goal is what they want to do all I encourage is to match your goal and dream to what's going on on the ground, what is needed. Um, so it is simply because what I have heard over and over again is the priority here is um, we we first need to have food. Um, a, a need I hear more and more is, and this is what 
Melinda Gates kept hearing, women would come up to her and say, can you give me that shot so I don't have as many kids? Depo Provera. Mm-hmm. All over the world, I, I, you know, I have 10 kids. I, I can't feed them all. They're hungry. We don't have enough school fees. If I could just have fewer kids. So we are continually listening to what people are telling us about what their priority is. Okay. Now, look, we've only got a couple of minutes left, but I want this to take an opportunity for you to not necessarily tell uh, people lots, lots more about the book, because, I mean, I'm sure they've realized by now that it's a pretty fascinating read. But a bit of more of the message, if you like, to social workers across the globe, because, as you know, I'm on, you know, the board of the Global Institute for Social Work. And effectively, you know, this is obviously a very interesting thing, and I'll, I'll make them aware of your book, of course. So what would you like to say to social workers? Um same message which is i think we have to be listening to what people on the ground um need and prioritize Uh, what i see happening um in the united states is it's become more academic and theoretical Mm. and that's why Mm. this book was so needed i i was doing the same needs assessment thing there was a huge huge gap where we have all this academic and studies and and it's like there is a place for that for sure but um we we have lost um some of the connection to uh what's going on on the ground or we've come in with some of our own priorities mm-hmm. so it's just going back to our roots to what social work is all about. Okay. Well, listen, Anne McLaughlin, author, extraordinaire, traveler, extraordinaire. It's been lovely talking to you, and I hope that people actually go to your book, look at it, and listen to what you've been saying. Um, Other books come out. We can always talk about them when they come. Thank you very much indeed for being a guest on the Social Work Podcast, Social World Podcast, Social Work Podcast. Thank you, Anne. Thank you so much, David. And thank you to all the listeners for tuning in. Okay. You're welcome.